Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning, in the middle, and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our discussions. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, in everything we say and do, may it shape us to be more like you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Uh, now, friends, if you would like to settle into whatever task you happen to be doing currently, I imagine nobody's probably mowing the lawn. Oh, it could be raking leaves this time of year. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Settle into those leaves <laughs> and enjoy the Deep Waters podcast. Benjamin. Hey, Jace. How are you? I'm actually doing really good. Lovely. It's been a nice day. I've had a lot of bread, which <laughs> I somehow equates to a good day. That, that's definitely the case for me. <laughs> Especially after 90 days of keto. I feel like I'm kind of letting loose this week, which oh. is maybe premature. But um, You're what, like 87 days in? Yeah. Yeah. And I've just been going hard on the bread. It's been great. <laughs> I didn't even think about that relative to your keto diet. Yeah, I know. It it still fits very well within my vegetarian diet. So yeah. I've been eating that those bagels shamelessly. I'll be honest. I'd have to say that bread is my favorite vegetable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if anybody else relates to that, feel free to comment below. Yeah. What is your favorite vegetable? Yeah. What kind of bread is your favorite vegetable? <laughs> Mine would probably be um, Asiago bagel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> From Blue Sky. That's my favorite mm-hmm. vegetable. <laughs> so funny um we've been in this series at church talking about a particular book of the bible pop quiz who knows it the holy bible (laughs) yeah that's the book oh okay (laughs) which we know as deep podcast listeners the holy bible is a library not a book that's great (laughs) we've been in the book of acts we've been in the book of acts amen which is one it's actually it's fun that you brought up the library so if you look at the new testament Mm -hmm. um basically every book is an independent work matthew mark john uh romans revelation Mm -hmm. even like first corinthians second corinthians those are separate letters um they weren't designed to be one cohesive work however an exception to that is Luke Acts. So Luke and Acts were written by the same person and they were designed to be like a two-part story mm-hmm. about Jesus. Yeah. So if you don't know that, welcome to the understanding of that because it's true. That's great. It's cool. If you read the beginning of Luke and the beginning of Acts, you'll realize really quickly, oh yeah, this is written by the same person to the same person it's very much the same style of writing. It's it's just a continuation. It's like volume two. It's convenient that Luke's last name was Axe. <laughs> yeah, his name is Luke Axe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, that's good. Um, he, uh, yeah, let, we'll just do, a, 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 well, this is the goal, everybody, before I dive in. Yeah, what, what are we doing here? I got ahead of myself. <laughs> We're talking about what the heck this whole Acts book is about. We've been in it in this preaching and teaching series Mm -hmm. uh, at River House, and we thought it would be fun because the podcast is so often a space where we want to digest what's been happening at our church in general. Yeah. We thought it'd be good to set aside some time to just talk about the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Maybe a brief overview. You could you know, do whole seminary level classes just on this one book or on Luke Acts, the combo. Um, Or, you know, you could do like a four minute overview. If you want to do something like that, other than this podcast, I would encourage you to go to YouTube or the Bible Project website Mm -hmm. and find the Bible Project videos on the book of Acts. There are two of them. Uh, and that will give you in like 16 or 17 minutes, a really wonderful overview of just the basics Mm -hmm. of what's going on in this book. 
who the author is, what we know of the author at least, which is very little. Um, and we're going to try and hit on some of that today, mm-hmm. maybe in a little bit greater detail than those Bible project videos are able to go into in some places, but we're going to skip a ton of things also just because of time's sake. But hopefully this helps um, set us up in the book of Acts so that as we continue through the series uh, on Sundays, it feels like it equips us well to know the context of everything that's being preached. Brilliant. Makes sense? Yeah, I'm into it. In the spirit of being biblically grounded, this felt like it made sense. Mm -hmm. Uh Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people have, including I'm, I feel like I have a pretty narrow minded view of acts of like, that's where like the Holy spirit works <laughs> in the Bible, you know? Yeah. Or like, just like, that's where our understanding of a lot of the spiritual gifts come from mm-hmm. or I don't know, early church stuff. Totally. Which I'm like, that is all included, but it has a lot more going on in that than those simple things. Yeah. Kind of formation of current church theology happens throughout this book too for sure really significant church theology is hashed out in the book of acts um specifically around what do we do about all these gentiles that are Mm -hmm. currently being grafted into the family of abraham how many times we've asked ourselves that am i right (laughs) it's so funny because that feels like a completely foreign conversation I to know. us. I've never walked into church. I'm like, look at all these Gentiles. <laughs> I wonder if they're even circumcised. <laughs> <laughs> but there would have been people in Antioch and Jerusalem all over the ancient church that would have wondered questions like that. Yeah, totally. Like, oh my gosh, that Gentile says that they follow the Lord and yet they're eating pork. Like, do they even know what they're doing? Yeah. We're so far removed from Jesus being a Jewish man. Mm. I feel like in a lot of people's eyes, yeah. you know, and like literally just only preaching to the Jews. Mm. And then there's this moment where he gives the great commission and it's like, Oh yeah. And everyone else gets this too. Wow. You're like, what? It's like the Oprah's favorite things. <laughs> and you get Jesus. Yeah, and, and you, you get, get Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyone, there's no like ethnic boundary line mm-hmm. where, the getting of Jesus stops. <laughs> Praise God. It goes to anyone and everyone yeah. who's willing to accept him into their heart. But for but for mm. a people who have been God's chosen people right. for millennia, mm-hmm. this is there's going to be pushback because it's like they're seeing they're finally seeing prophecies fulfilled, but they're being fulfilled in different ways that they had expected and Jesus was not the the savior that they were selfishly wanting. Wow. Yeah. And so like, they're just not fitting into the boxes that they want. And so now they're trying to wrestle with, you know, how do we allow Gentiles to join our faith? If I could, if I do follow Christ and yeah, it's complicated. It's, it's definitely complicated in this day. Mm -hmm. And I'm very thankful that the scriptures hashed it out as well as they did, because Mm -hmm. if this was a mess that wasn't cleaned up in scripture, then it would have done a lot of damage to the church. Yeah. You know, like I'm glad that the apostles figured this out before that first generation passed away, even though it did take years. And and it's not in the New Testament. A lot of the New Testament is about this too. And I'm glad you point um, that out. Yeah. It's not just acts that dishes this out. So to get the biggest picture, you do have to kind mm-hmm. of read Hebrews and Romans and those kind of things. Too. Right. Yeah. Galatians hammers this out heavily. So in case you're totally not familiar with what we're even talking about, we'll dive into it more in a minute. But basically, it's the idea that um, in order to be a part of God's people, it was believed by many that you had to follow all of these rules of Torah, which is like the Old Testament laws and instructions, Mm -hmm. including the food laws, the purity laws, um, you know, what you can eat, uh, you can't have a tattoo, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. I yeah. mean, the list is huge. Circumcision being one of the primary things for men. Um, yeah, all these all these Jewish laws that set the ethnic people group, mm-hmm. the Hebrews, the Jews, apart from all the other ethnic people groups. But what's really cool in some of the theological moves that they make. Well, here I am. I'm just going into it with some of the theological moves they make (laughs) is, Hey guys, check out, check out Genesis 12. Like let's go back to the old Testament here, which you say 
we need to follow the laws of the Old mm-hmm. Testament. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Let's go back even before the law was ever given. Look at Abraham, who was called by God as an uncircumcised man before circumcision was ever given. Yeah. And it was his faith that justified him. Paul says that in two different letters, and it's definitely in the book of Hebrews. So theologically, they're saying it's it's Abraham's faith that justifies him before God as like a sanctified, reconciled person mm-hmm. because of God's grace that met Abraham. Mm. Um, that this is kind of the way that the people of God have worked. And even before Abraham's story ever unfolds, God gives this promise to Abraham, Abram at the time. And he says, those who bless you will be blessed. And those who curse you, I will curse. You will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. Your descendants is what he means. So the vision from the very beginning of the people of God before Abraham even goes into the promised land is this is a multi-ethnic move here. Essentially what God is saying is, Abram, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you, that's, that's a Genesis connection I just made. And what I mean by it is I want you to create a sort of garden of Eden amongst your people Mm -hmm. and then to export the garden of Eden to the other nations. Yeah. Like the goal is for you to, um, not incorporate other people groups into your people group because I'm like ethnocentric and I like your people group the most. Instead, what God is saying is I'm choosing you and through you, I'm choosing all the other nations. Hmm. So this was about the nations from the beginning. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I can see that. But people um, throughout the Old Testament missed that. And I think people also all all across the world today miss that thinking that the old Testament is about like a specific chosen people group that was special in and of themselves. Um, and then it was like, so nice of God eventually to incorporate these other people Mm -hmm. somewhere along the line after Jesus came onto the scene. Yeah. Almost like a plan B kind of a thing. Wow. Yes. And that's what I want to debunk more than maybe anything else in this podcast is that the church is not plan B. Jesus is not plan B. Um, Well, I mean, the church, the way I view it now, sounds a lot like what God commissioned Abraham to do. You said it. Like, that's like, I see all that same language in like the commission of the church. Amen. And the theology around like what a church is supposed to be. Praise God. You see that same thread. Yeah. I mean, literally, I would say, Link, yay, the Link game. (laughs) Uh, If you don't know what we were talking about, then you need to listen to our podcast more. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, But if you want to trace that thread all the way to its very beginnings, I would argue that the beginning of it is where God tells Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, multiply, Mm -hmm. to fill the earth, to have dominion and subdue the land, Mm -hmm. which is God saying, I want you to export the abundance of the Garden of Eden across the whole globe. Come on. That we're co-creators in this creation project. Mm-hmm. God's saying, when I made all things, I didn't complete it all. I created you to be a part of the creation process with me. Mm-hmm. And it's in that that humans fell. So, wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I feel like that just debunks a lot of things. If that's the goal from the very beginning, you know? Because... Hmm. Like what's coming to your mind? Like just uh, like salvation, Oh yeah. Like, uh, that from the beginning we're made just to be a, like essentially be a blessing and bring heaven to earth Yeah, from the beginning. And that's still God's motion. Like, uh, still God's purpose now is just to redeem wow. and restore yes. what he's created and not about oh. like, I am, I have chosen these people and only these people get to come to heaven with me, you know? That's always oh. been a weird disconnect for me of like yeah. the self, like what does salvation look like in the old Testament? This like big idea that we're grown up with that like we are made only to find Christ and be saved so that we can go to heaven. Wow. And that's just, I feel like continually being debunked through so mm-hmm. many different topics lately That's good. in my head. I'm so thankful you used all the language that you just did. You said it even better than I would have said it. I think, um, 
I mean, it's totally true. Like, look at Jesus's ministry. I don't remember how old I was when I first had the revelation reading through the gospels that Jesus doesn't say like, believe in me and you'll go to heaven when you die. Mm -hmm. I think the American church thinks that's the heart of our faith. Mm -hmm. Put your faith in Jesus and you'll go to heaven when you die and live forever. So then you have all these people that are like, okay, I either choose Jesus and I'm in the club or I reject Jesus and I'm going to hell. Uh-huh. And that's kind of what religion and Christianity boil down to at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Emphatically, I say no. And that's not Oof. that I disagree with that. Yeah. We do go to heaven when we die. Mm-hmm. This like eternal life is absolutely part of the picture, but that's not, that's not the boiled down heart of this. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. He's saying it's here and it's now, and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. In John 17, which we read last week, Jesus is praying to the father and he said, as you father have sent me into the world. So now I am sending the church. This is about the rest, the redemption, the restoration of all things. And Mm -hmm. it it has been about that from the beginning. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So we should see that in Acts. Totally. I mean, we should see that all through scripture. Yeah. Because that's, that's the heart of the gospel. And I I also want to say, like, if you're just tuning in for the first time and we're just kind of going right into this, like, kind of debunking, like, heaven thing, (laughs) like, that's a big deal. Like, I feel that and even just, like really a, a kind of countercultural move in the church mm. or like a realignment, I guess, more than anything. That's a good one. And I don't know that does feel like, well, well, I don't know. There's like, there's like this really, uh, there's this deep security that I think you can feel like you're just going to be like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, safe and protected. And I, I don't want that to not be said, like, like he said, we're still going to go to heaven. Like heaven is oh, yeah. knowing Jesus. Eternal life is knowing Jesus and yeah, we get that. And so don't think that we're like taking away like this salvific, you know, beaming up to heaven thing from you. Like that's still there. We're just kind of re reestablishing what our purpose is as Christians. Wow. Yeah. It's not just to sit on our butts and pray. <laughs> it's to like be the yeah. hands and feet of God. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I said the B word there. I can't believe I you got just really said the B word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I was taught to say bum or bottom. Bottom. <laughs> we were a bottom family. Is that right? For sure. Oh, so yeah. So funny. No, that's good. I'm glad you said that because that I realize could be really jarring for somebody, what I just said about mm-hmm. this whole heaven bit. And yeah, don't hear what I'm not saying. We are totally going to live forever in eternal life, in relationship to one another and God. Yeah. Because our faith is in Jesus. Praise God. Amen. And on the flip side, we still believe in a God that is just mm-hmm. and will judge too. Right. And the the free will of humanity to reject God and not want to be with him. And mm-hmm. there are people that choose that and choose, you know, forever not being able to be with God. Yep. And that's they they choose that amen so that's just a reality of of those two things and kind of a reworking of what kind of this you know heaven and hell idea can be maybe someday we'll just have a podcast series on heaven and hell would that be cool that'd be so cool yeah that'd be Mm -hmm. cool um maybe bookmark that one listener and we'll come back to it yeah if it's something that you'd like us to talk more about comment below Cause this is good, but I'm glad that we started there in this because that will, I think if you don't understand that whole like kingdom of God, this is really what the gospel is about. The restoration of all things and yeah. um, like the multiplying of God's abundant creation to the whole of the world mm-hmm. um, and the doing away with the darkness or the dry desert land or the wickedness or the sea, all these different pictures from the Bible. Um, yeah. Then like acts doesn't, pack the punch that it was meant to pack totally yeah so wow who is luke (laughs) here we are all right mr axe all right mr axe luke axe (laughs) um we'll just say we know very little of him but uh he we think he's the only greek author in all of the bible Mm -hmm. so every other biblical author was a hebrew um like ethnically but Mm -hmm. this dude was a gentile 
Um, he was picked up by Paul in his ministry. And if you want to pay attention to it, there's a point where Paul's going around in Europe and the language goes from Paul did this, he did this, they did this. And then all of a sudden it switches to the first person plural. We went here. We did this. Mm -hmm. We then went there. Um, So Luke doesn't say like they picked me up, but he just starts saying we. Mm -hmm. And it's at that point that Luke joins the posse basically, where he's converted to Christ. And um, we're told in Colossians chapter four, at the end of that letter, um, Paul says, the great or the beloved physician Luke greets you. Hmm. So that's where we get the detail that he's a physician. So he's some kind of doctor. He's a well-educated man. At the beginning of the gospel of Luke, it's really clear that he's like sitting down with a ton of firsthand accounts of Jesus Mm -hmm. and he's organizing them in a very orderly structured way to try and communicate the gospel clearly Mm -hmm. and cohesively. And so Acts is a part of that. And he was commissioned by someone to do that. Yes. Right. Good memory. Theophilus. Mm Mm-hmm who AJ said from a sermon that he really loved that name earlier. Theophilus is a great name. It is a great name. Uh Uh-huh. Actually, I don't know what it means. Uh, Theos is Greek for God. Mm -hmm. Um, That'd be fun to know what Theophilus meant. Totally. Anyway. And I remember we were talking, I was talking about ancient language with Benjamin the other day. And you said, did you say Luke has like this really formal Greek? Oh. Or is that like the writer of Hebrews? Yeah. No, I'm glad you, you brought that up. Okay, so kind of is like evidence of his like education. Amen. Exactly. Yeah. So there's there's a couple different kinds of Greek, the language that are on the scene, um, in the New Testament era, which it's it's hard for us to say because English is just English. Mm-hmm. But imagine that we just spoke our normal version of English. Yeah. But then when whenever we went into a really formal setting, we spoke Elizabethan English, which would be a way to say like. Like thee hast thou done thine own mm-hmm. thing or whatever. Shakespeare, yeah. Shakespearean mm-hmm. kind of. Totally. If that kind of English still lived today, but it was only used in really formal settings, mm-hmm. that would be like a more educated version of it. Yeah. Or like if you go to Haiti, I, I lived in Haiti for a little while and the educated people in Haiti speak French mm-hmm. and French Creole. And the non-educated just speak the Creole. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of yeah. kind of like a pigeon version of French. Um, but it re- re- would require a higher education to yeah. speak formal French like they do in France if you are a Haitian today. Mm-hmm. So kind of an example of what existed in Greek back then. There's the educated version of Greek and then Koine Greek. And Koine Greek is the common tongue and Almost the entire New Testament is written in that common tongue, Koine Greek. But um, the uh, exception to that is, <laughs> you're funny. Uh, Jace just put a silly note into our, our doc. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I thought it was funny, so I kept it. That's good. Um, Luke begins with the really educated form of Greek, basically. And you, I, I haven't studied Greek, so I couldn't detail it further than that. But it, he is for sure an educated dude. Everything that he's doing is intentional, thoughtful, calculated, detailed, detailed. Yeah. He's a detail guy. So people, this is like reading between the lines, kind of context clues on the person of Luke. Um, and yeah, he was commissioned by Theophilus, which most likely that means that Theophilus was a wealthy Christian who paid for Luke's research. So he basically gave Luke a bunch of money and said, here is all the funding to do this project. Now I want you to take that money so that you can be resourced to write the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Wow. So, so that's good. So then Luke like dedicates it to him in Theophilus's honor for commissioning him. That's what um, biblical scholars seem mm-hmm. to think is going on. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> that's kind of an introduction. And here we are like 25 minutes in. This is something I want to point out. Okay, we call the book the Acts, Acts, or the full title is the Acts of the Apostles, um, which 
every biblical studies class I've ever been in Mm -hmm. that talked about it says, I wish it wasn't named that. I wish it was named the acts of the Holy Spirit Hmm. or the acts of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Because the the emphasis is really not supposed to be on the apostles Mm -hmm. in this book. And the apostles themselves, I'm convinced, would say that. Luke would say that. Mm -hmm. So Luke did not give this book that title. That title got added to the book like generations after it was written. Yeah. Um, But notice at the very beginning, this is the first verse. It says, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these, he also presented himself alive, etc., etc. I think the idea is Jesus began a good work mm-hmm. in my first volume, which yeah. implies Jesus is continuing that good yeah. work in this next volume. Totally. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a, it's a sequel, not a spinoff. <laughs> That's good. You know? And Jesus is the primary actor in it. Hmm. That's cool. That's kind of what we're supposed to think, which is really helpful that Paul gives us the language that the church is the body of Christ. Because then as you read through the book of Acts, you should be thinking, oh, this isn't Philip acting. This isn't Peter acting. This isn't Paul acting as much as it is the Holy Spirit and Jesus acting through his church. Mm, Yeah. Is that that clear? Yeah, that's so good. I think that's really important. Um, And one of the ways that we see that is the apostles really clearly demonstrate that they're just kind of fools Mm -hmm. throughout the gospels. They don't get it. They don't understand who Jesus is. They don't understand who he's saying. Peter like cuts this dude's ear off and he's, he's always speaking out of turn. And the the disciples look pretty outrageous in the gospels. Mm -hmm. But then after the Holy Spirit's outpouring, they look incredible. Yeah. All of a sudden these like superheroes of the faith. Mm Mm-hmm. And the difference is the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's so good. Does that make sense? I like that point. I like mm-hmm. that point a lot. Yeah, it's critical, I think, to see that. And this is this is a lovely point, too, that I think some, maybe everybody who's preached on Acts so far has brought up. But um, Acts doesn't have like a super satisfying conclusion. The very last words of it are about Paul. Uh, it's He's in house arrest in Rome. It says... And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered, Hmm. which is like a way of saying, and it continued. Yeah. Is it ever, is Paul's death ever recorded in the New Testament? Nope. Fascinating. Yeah. There's debate about how he died and when, Mm -hmm. um, church tradition gives us two options usually one is that after those two years that are mentioned right there in acts 28 um after those two years he was killed Mm -hmm. um like a public arena kind of thing or killed like the martyrs Mm -hmm. in rome Um, another option is that he was set free from prison after those two years and did another missionary journey oh wow um to spain there are people who say this and uh, that he planted churches in Spain before being arrested again, sent back to Rome and then ultimately martyred wow. in Rome. So both have him killed by the Roman authorities, um, but they just debate about when. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. But yeah, it's like, it, does, it doesn't, like I feel like a story about, you know, someone like Paul would, would end with like his death or something. Like it's like, yes. like you said, an unsatisfying conclusion. And I wouldn't be surprised if Luke wrote this after Paul had died. Hmm. Um, Or even if he didn't write it after Paul had died, he or one of his disciples could have amended it to Mm -hmm. add Paul's death. Yeah. But I think that's just the point. Like this isn't a biography of Paul. Mm -hmm. This is a book about the movement of the Holy Spirit through the church. And Paul happens to be a really dominant figure in it. Um, and why I think is important, especially because Paul is responsible for writing 13 of the books in the new Testament. Mm -hmm. And Paul is 
the discipler and mentor to Luke, the guy who wrote this. Mm -hmm. So Luke is most familiar with Paul as far as all of the apostles go. If he had mentored, menteed underneath like Peter, Mm -hmm. then the acts of the apostles probably would have looked pretty different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. But it's, it's not meant to be a biography. So I like it too, because since it doesn't end, if it's not meant to be biography, I forget who first made this point. Maybe it's been made a lot, but, um, the book kind of feels like it just ends with a dot, dot, dot and church history up until today is just a continuation. Mm -hmm. So we are meant to see ourselves as in this same tradition. What's happening in this book, the acts of the Holy spirit or the acts of the apostles, um, is our inheritance Mm -hmm. as the body of Christ. This is what life should in some way look like in our Mm -hmm. own context. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think AJ preached it, that it should feel like a launching pad from which we minister, Mm. not like an ideal that we're trying to attain. Um, but this should like set the precedent for how alive and present God is in our midst. So good. And how he wants to build his church. So good. Mm. Exciting. Oh yeah. Very exciting. (laughs) Yeah. That continuation. Yeah. I feel like that's easy to see. And it's interesting that a good amount of the American church doesn't even believe in the movement of the Holy spirit fascinating isn't we it? don't have to get into that right now but yeah, like that's a whole could. other thing it's true um and yeah. yeah i don't know yeah if you're not familiar with that conversation just to mention it briefly um there are two predominant viewpoints as far as the gifts of the holy spirit go mm-hmm. one is the cessationist view which means the gifts of the holy spirit have ceased after this first generation of apostles passed away sort of like the gifts of the holy spirit were just meant to be like gasoline that the Holy Spirit was pouring on the beginning of the church so that it started really fast. And then there's the continuationist view, which is the gifts of the Holy Spirit have always been with the church and they were Mm -hmm. never meant to go away in this age. But things like prophecy and tongues, according to Paul and Corinthians, first Corinthians, um, those kinds of prophetic or spiritual gifts will go away at the new creation Mm -hmm. when all things are made new. Cause Now we only see in part, but then we'll see in full is what he says in first mm-hmm. Corinthians 13. So anyway, if you want to get more into that full conversation, it's a big one. Um, my favorite reference is a book that Jordan Verner gave me. It's called surprised by the power of the spirit by a dude named Jack Deere. Um, it will say everything and more that you need to know. It's phenomenal. That's good. Um, but yeah, I'll just point out as far as the structure of Acts goes, uh, Jesus shows up at the beginning. It's before he's ascended and he gives his apostles a sort of great commission. Yeah. Telling them in verse eight, um, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So there's something really significant about the Holy Spirit coming, like mm-hmm. we've already pointed out. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And then from there, the book unfolds. The first part is the witness of the church in Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. then the witness of the church in Judea and Samaria. And then the last big chunk is beyond. Yeah. Well done, Luke. Well done, Luke. Yeah. Yeah, Kind of like this is what you're about to read. (laughs) Uh, Oh, and it's just so good. I'll say if you're really steeped in the Old Testament imagery, you'll see references to Old Testament stuff all over the book of Acts, Mm. which is kind of the case for the, and definitely is the case for the whole New Testament. Um, But it's like utterly critical that it was utterly critical to the apostles and to Luke that the Jews who were experiencing this Jesus movement recognized that the Jesus movement is the fulfillment Mm -hmm. of the entire old Testament. So, um, with this whole outpouring of fire, tongues of fire are falling on the church. It's supposed to trigger an image of when God's glory came down as fire on the tabernacle and the temple. 
So then because you're equipped with that imagery, you should be thinking, oh, the church is God's temple now. Mm -hmm. And God's very presence is filling the church, his people, not a building, but a people um, in the same way that God's presence filled the temple, this building. Wow. And you miss things like that if you don't know the imagery. And that's okay. The more you read the Bible, the more you'll pick up on details like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it always helps to to do study with a scholar, like a biblical scholar who really knows it. If you want to get a commentary on the book of Acts, it will probably pull out a bunch of that stuff for you. Hmm. Where to go? Okay, this... The melody. Can we go there? Yeah, let's do it. Have I used this metaphor of the melody in many of our podcasts? Does that sound familiar? I don't familiar? think so. Mm-hmm. I, it's completely different. I haven't heard anything. Okay. Um, well, the melody, you can probably guess that's wording that came to me from the Bible project. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell most of, most of the stuff that I say is just plagiarized from them. <laughs> but the idea of the melody is... Um, through a lot of like classical music, even Miles Davis, mm-hmm. jazz music, come on, you have a melody that is at the beginning of the song. That's a really simple version of that melody. Um, and then you get that same melody replaying through the whole song, sometimes on different instruments or with different variations on the same theme. So you have a melody that is repeating. You're supposed to be reminded of the previous times you've heard the melody when you hear it again. Mm-hmm. Or like another way to say this is, I don't know if there are many Star Wars fans out there, but you know how like different characters have theme songs? Oh yeah, totally. Like you'll start to hear Princess Leia's theme Mm -hmm. and you know that she's about to come on the screen. Totally. Oh, Leia's there. Mm -hmm. Or Luke Skywalker, Mm -hmm. Darth Vader. Totally. Um so musically what those movies have done for us and john williams is that Mm -hmm. his name the composer uh he's trying to link these different moments together through the characters using a melody yeah is that kind of nice it's so good um the bible has patterns that repeat throughout it and if we want to think of it as a melody you can see the patterns Um, the most stripped down version of it is the first time it appears. So Genesis one through three, um, or even through the first 11 chapters of Genesis, you kind of hear an introductory melody and then you see those same themes play out in different ways on loop all throughout the rest of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So, um, Sorry, this is a lot of nerdy back story. I love story, it. This but is great. Hopefully it's helpful. Yeah. Um, so when you're reading Cain and Abel, we've talked about some of this stuff. When you're reading Cain mm-hmm. and Abel and that whole debacle, um, you should be thinking about the fall that just happened the previous chapter. Yeah. When Adam and Eve took of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Um. I would say if we want to boil it down to a few different key themes that happen in the melody, one is that like God creates a beautiful garden um, from the chaos, from the Mm -hmm. darkness, light comes in or from the dry land, water comes in and there's this like rich nourished garden. And then God appoints priests in that garden to be his representatives in that space. Mm -hmm. And then typically those priests mess up somehow and there has to be some kind of judgment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the judgment looks like a decreation. It's like a reversal of the garden's creating moment. And then through that decreation, there's a remnant that is pulled through and then the cycle starts over. Mm -hmm. There's a new garden that's planted There's a new priesthood um, that is established and then that priesthood messes up 
so on and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, you can see it in like one of the great decreations of the early stories is the flood. Mm-hmm. And you know what Noah does right when he gets off of the ark, which is like a, you're supposed to think of the ark as like a little floating Eden with mm-hmm. all of these animals that Noah is, um, he's like the image bearer that's responsible for caretaking all the animals, which yeah. has to do directly with the garden of Eden mandate in Genesis two, you know? Mm-hmm. And then what does Noah do once they get off the ark? The first thing you have any B- guess? Builds an altar first, right? Oh yes. Which would be kind of like the priest established yes. thing you think, uh-huh. but then he falls. Yeah. And, and how drunk. does he fall? Doesn't he get drunk or does something weird in his yes. or something? Yeah. And how does he get drunk? Do you know? Off of the vineyard. He plants a vineyard. Oh, he plants a vineyard. Which is like a garden. Okay, yeah. So he creates um he creates a garden and that that has fruit that he can take of. Fascinating. You see that? Um and so yeah. Priesthood is established, he builds an altar, he sacrifices and then God says, I'm never again going to wipe out the whole earth in a flood. And the rainbow happens as a sign. And God's like, okay, we're going to restart this project. This mm-hmm. is going to be beautiful. Noah, you're like the new Adam, mm-hmm. the image bearer. Noah plants a garden, takes of its fruit, drinks too heavily of it and gets super drunk. And then, Fascinating. isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah. So you're kind of supposed to see in there, I think, mm-hmm. the taking of the yeah. tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then, yes, something weird happens in a tent, which we don't have time to go into. But essentially, yeah, his son, Ham, goes in, says he uncovers his father's nakedness or he sees his father's nakedness. And it was really shameful. Uh, and there's some euphemisms there that are messed up. And yeah. it's kind of debated what exactly happened, whether Ham like slept with his father's wife or whether he, some people say he like castrated his father. There's this whole debate, but wow. whatever happened, it was whack. Um, and <laughs> it was whack. That's <laughs> probably not the most like professional reverent way to talk about that. It's so funny. <laughs> um, so there's a fall like kind of immediately. Yeah. You see that the mm-hmm. priests fall. Um, and then there's a judgment, which is where Noah curses Ham's descendant, Canaan, which becomes a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And you'll read about more. Now, I want to point out there's this story. Okay, thank you for hanging on, everybody. Um, there's a story in Leviticus, to jump to everybody's favorite book, mm-hmm. where if you remember at the, at the end of Exodus, the tabernacle had been set up by the Israelites and Moses. The glory of God filled the tabernacle, but Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle because the glory was too great. And Mm -hmm. the sin of the people from the golden calf moment was not compatible with God's glory. Mm -hmm. So there had to be some like purity laws that came along, which if you want to learn more about, you could do a deep dive. And we just kind of talked about that in the consecration series. Um, but there's a priesthood that's established with Aaron and Aaron's sons and long story short. Yeah. Oh, we're at garden created gardens Temp- created. The tabernacle established. We've got some priests established. So you're expecting what's coming up next. The fall. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's exactly my point. This is that's how the melody it. works. Yeah. You see it. Mm-hmm. You're like something, something bad is about to happen because whenever the priests are established and it all is set up for success, someone does something stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dogs. And what we get happen is, um, Nadab and Abihu, which are Aaron, the high priests has two. Um, well, he has four sons, I think, but the two eldest of the sons go into the tabernacle with, strange fire is -hmm. how it's described. Um, Essentially what's happening here. It's kind of weird. Again, there's more happening in the text than like just a quick surface reading Mm -hmm. would do. But I wanted to bring this up because AJ brought it up in a sermon uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, Essentially these guys go into the tabernacle with incense that 
was not permitted according to the purity laws. Yeah. Probably from like another religion or God. It could be something like that. If I was just thinking like if fire is like resembling like the glory of God. Oh. Like strange fire could be like some other. Oh, that's a good read into it. Honestly, I I actually haven't heard that. But it could be sometimes, yeah. Something it's probably not that if you something heard against, that. yeah. Something against the um, the purity laws mm-hmm. and the the Levitical priesthood rules that were just established. So basically, God is saying, "Hey, Aaron, this is how I want you and your sons to do it." Mm-hmm. And the first time anything is done, it's wrong. Wow. And what's interesting is, well, it's wrong, and we hear that the fire from the altar consumed a bihu and a dub, which is like the glory of God lashed out against that, which was impure and unrighteous. And Mm -hmm. they died. Yeah. These two sons. And typically when people read this, they think, Whoa, that's hardcore. God, you're being like really brutal in that moment, Mm -hmm. which, you know, you could have that view Mm -hmm. and, I think it's fair to say there was a very high call on this family and these people and these two sons to at the very get go of the priesthood project messed it up. Mm -hmm. And we think they messed it up in a pretty bad way. So check this out. There's some language that connects this story to not only the fall, but also to Noah drinking and the whole tent moment with his mm-hmm. son that goes in and uncovers his nakedness in Hebrew. Um, and this is kind of wild in Leviticus chapter 10, right after Nadab and Abihu get consumed by the fire, mm-hmm. there's a new law that is told that feels like it's totally out of the blue. Um, let me see if I can read it because we've heard a lot of laws in Leviticus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and just check out this law. And tell me what you think it's trying to say. This is a good little example of how to read the Bible. Because you're like, why was that so hardcore? What's going on? Neither you nor your sons with you when you come into the tent of meeting so that you will not die. It is a perpetual statute throughout all generations, throughout your generations. So like all of a sudden, hey, guys, don't drink while you're doing this stuff Mm -hmm. is told to us right after the sons got consumed because of the strange fire in, in like situation. Yeah. What a lot of old Testament scholars are saying is probably happening there. This is an example of like the narrative meditation literature. It's not saying it outright, mm-hmm. but what the Bible's trying to communicate through its laws and the way that it's ordered is these guys went in there drunk. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of wine to drink And they walked into the presence of God with the wrong thing intoxicated. And that makes like their error more flagrant. Mm Kind of interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. Have we talked about that on the podcast before? Yeah, I think we might have mentioned this in one of the consecration. Oh, you know, I think you're right. I was forgetting whether we did that on mic or off air. No, I think think this is a necessary spelling out just because... Now, like now the question is, does this happen in acts? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I just spent a lot of time. I wanted to spend that time, um, because I think what, what we're about to talk about is one of the more disturbing parts of acts, Mm -hmm. the most maybe disturbing part of acts. I would say so. Yeah. Um, so I think it maybe deserved a little bit more time, but, uh, check it out. Book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Do you hear the melody at all? I'm starting to piece it together. Yeah. Bit of the, the garden created as like a temple image of like the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Boom. The apostles sent out. Yep. Commissioned. Priests established. Priesthood established. Uh-oh. There's S- probably a fall coming. Something might happen here. Mm-hmm. And it could look bad. Yeah. Uh, and it does, unfortunately, for these two characters in Acts chapter five, a husband and a wife called Ananias and Sapphira. Um, if you know the story, you know where I'm going. But basically, the idea is everybody is sharing their wealth um, so that everybody who had need 
their needs were met and nobody had excess. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful picture that we get in Acts chapter two and beyond where really wealthy people like Barnabas is named as coming and selling his excess wealth and laying the money down at the feet of the apostles so that it can be distributed amongst the members of the church. And then you get this married couple that supposedly does that, but they lie about it. They mm-hmm. say they've sold all of their things and given their money Um, but they actually haven't. They've withheld some, we don't know how much, but a Mm -hmm. sum of their wealth. Um, And one after the other, first the husband, Ananias, and then Sapphira, the wife, um, just collapse. Debt. Mm -hmm. And then the early disciples have to like carry them out and bury them one after the other. Um, And I just... What what you should think when you're hearing this is you're you're connecting this part of the melody to previous parts of the melody. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Do you want to give a little stab at it? Well, you basically uh, said the beginning already with the temple, the garden is kind of established yeah. in the church. Yeah, and like the apostles would be the priests in the melody, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then yeah, them lying about sharing their possessions and then dying obviously like the fall and judgment kind of a thing yeah right it's like all of christians in the church are now the priests Mm -hmm. it's like a priesthood of all believers is language that we get later in the new testament and ananias and sapphira in a way enter the holy of holies they enter the temple yeah which is the church um with lying, I mean, they're not drunk. They're not intoxicated as far as we're aware. There's nothing mm-hmm. that gives us a clue to that. But um, So that's not the commonality. But they're entering a holy and consecrated space mm-hmm. with deceit. Yeah. And lies, we're told, the father of lies is Satan. Mm-hmm. Like, they're embodying really impure, evil things mm-hmm. as they're approaching the holy of holies so this isn't to say hey anytime you sin as a christian you're just going to die yeah because the glory of god is going to overcome you that might be what you hear when you read this and i don't want you to hear that i'm pretty sure luke does not want you to hear that i think what luke is trying to communicate here is hey guys the church is the temple the holy of holies actually dwells among us Mm. and we need to take our priesthood seriously yeah we should have a little fear of God and reverence inside of us because we are the literal house of God. Like when you've given your heart to him, he lives inside of you. Be a good steward of that. Yeah. And that should put a little fear of God in us. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. Reverence and awe and yeah, totally. Not that I need to be afraid of God. Like he's a condemning God that's going to kill me when I mess up. Cause that's, that's not the message here. Yeah. The message is God lives in us. Mm-hmm. The Holy of Holies is among us. Yeah. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. So that's the goal. It's kind of like throughout acts we're pitting temple imagery or we're, we're ascribing now temple imagery to the church. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the stories that is doing that. Yeah. Totally. I can totally see that. Yeah. And it's like, it's also interesting mm-hmm. how in Leviticus, the um, sons of Aaron story happens. And then the new law about don't go into the temple drunk happens. Yeah. This immediately follows a passage about the believers sharing their possessions. Mm. And I don't know if it, if it was written in, you know, Old Testament Hebrew, if it would almost be flipped where it's like this happened because this is what really we're going after. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's good. just like a fun speculation. Just the ordering of the it ordering is intentional. It. Yeah. Because I, I feel like mm-hmm. I know I, it's always good to read your Bible thinking that the chapter markers don't exist. I think Amen. because you <laughs> see the relations between those two things mm-hmm. more completely. That's great. If you just like, just read chapter five. You're like, bummer. Like this is like insane, yeah. but four gives you a lot more 
um, context of like actually what's going that's on good. here and the purity that's happening. Like the, that's good. like how wonderful and, and countercultural the church is being right now. And we have to like, the Lord wants to keep this purity within his temple. Amen. Um, so he's, he's going to have to like cut it off at the head kind of thing. Yeah. Sort lack, of lack of a better term. Nip it at the bud. Yeah. Yeah. There's reverence mm-hmm. and yeah, that's significant. I love that you point that out because it feels like that's a little how to read the Bible mm. um, help Yeah, is notice what in this story is before and after and see if they have a correlation with one another. Remember what we said earlier, Luke put a bunch of accounts together and intentionally ordered it. We know that stories were for sure omitted. I mean, there would have been thousands of stories about Jesus, his words, about the early church. There's a reason that Luke chose to tell this story and to order acts in the way that he did. This is not arbitrary. He's not just telling us casual details that are trying to show us like what's going on. Um, There's, there's layers of meaning here that we can unpack and, and we don't, we don't have to unpack all of these layers of meaning in order to like see Jesus in the Bible because Jesus exists on the top mm-hmm. surface as well as the deepest depths of it. But I think when we peel back these layers of, and gain further understanding, then stories like this an Ananias and Sapphira story won't disturb us as much mm-hmm. because we'll start to see what Luke is trying to communicate. Um, not that, it shouldn't still disturb you a little bit because yeah. it still disturbs me. I'm going to be honest. Oh, for sure. Me for too. Sure. I'm not, I don't just sit happy with that one. No, but have we hit that one enough? I think so. Okay. I'm sorry. I took way too much time on that. It's all good. <laughs> don't you fret. Um, but I think, I think it needed to be said. Yeah. You know, I think cause it, it is out of, out of all the stuff in acts, it's one of the harder things to get your head around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think even if the one thing we take away from this podcast today is that the church is the temple, the new temple. Amen. Like that's a, that's a huge theme in the book of Acts and the rest of the the new Testament that you've got to grasp now. You've got to, to really make sense of the rest of it. God lives inside of you and what the temple was meant for. Like, uh, originally the temple was supposed to be the place where the needs of the poor were met. So people would bring excess money to the temple and give it to the Levites and the priests that were working the temple. And then they'd redistribute it to people who had needs. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we're seeing the church do wow. in the early part of Acts. They are doing what the temple should have done all along. But then remember, it became like a den of robbers. Jesus says, mm-hmm. quoting Jeremiah seven, I think when he starts flipping the tables. Yeah. yeah. So the temple failed and Oh, this is the really important point that I want to make. Mm-hmm. And even if we miss all these other details about Acts, yeah. I'll sleep at, in peace tonight if I say this. I Praise think. God. Do it. Um, and it's hearkening back to how we opened, really. It's that God had a plan when he created his covenant with Abram. Mm-hmm. God had a plan when he made his covenant with King David. Uh, when he wrote the Old Testament law through Moses... Uh, and all of the Old Testament, um, I don't even like calling it the Old Testament. I think that language implies that it's it's stale and outdated yeah. and done away with. Um, I felt it important to say that the Old Testament is not scrapped in Jesus. And that's why the story of Stephen and Stephen's great... Um, his great telling of some of the major events of the old Testament is mm-hmm. recorded in acts. What Luke is trying to get you to see is um, what God has been working through his people. Wasn't ever able to be fulfilled by his people mm. until the person of Jesus Christ came as a Jew and fulfilled all of the old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when Jesus says like nothing from the old Testament or the law is falling away or to be taken away, but it's fulfilled in me. Wow. Um, this is what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like 
Israel is still plan A because now Israel is the person of Jesus. The person of Jesus satisfies Israel's um, covenants, uh, Israel's demands, God's demands on Israel. And then um, through Jesus, all of the nations can be grafted in as olive branches, Paul says, to the tree that is the family of Abraham, which is that ministry to the nations that God said in the original covenant in Genesis 12. So all this to say, what God has been doing all along, this is just a furtherance of that same thing. Mm-hmm. He didn't scrap the Old Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment. And the church is the continuation of plan A. I love that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's really good. And it's because of that that then the apostles land on not needing to fulfill circumcision and um, like not asking the Gentiles to live into the laws of the Torah. Like the dietary restrictions and stuff like that. Exactly. Because they say, you know what? Those were actually like ethnic differentiations that God gave us as the law and Jesus fulfilled all of those things. Now in Jesus, God is not asking everybody to become a Jew mm-hmm. ethnically, um, culturally. What God is asking people to do is become one of his children grafted into the family of Abram by the blood of Jesus. That shouldn't result in them being oppressed by the law that Jesus already fulfilled. And Peter even says it in Acts chapter 15 that like, why should we put the burden on the Gentiles that ourselves and our forefathers were never able to carry? Mm-hmm. Only Jesus was able to carry the burden of the law. Because the, the point of the law wasn't for them to fulfill it. No, which we get from Paul. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. It was to reveal our need for God. Mm-hmm. And then God came and satisfied our need for him in his son, Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Excuse me. My phone was just coming off. It's all good. Hi, Haley. If you're listening to this, I'm currently recording the podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Should we, should we wrap it up? Yeah. We could always do a part two. Yeah. Cause there's more I want to say, I'll be honest, but yeah, there's, I mean, we have barely kind of just gotten into acts. Yeah. This is hilarious. As like an overview. That's classic. Yeah. Cause I want to go into how like acts chapter two, all the tongues that are spoken, that's not quite the nations yet. Those are just the Jews that have been dispersed around the world. So that's the coming home of the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the Gentiles. Acts 10 is the Gentiles. Um, and then I want to talk more about the person of Paul and his ministry and how he fulfills the Great Commission and how we can be inspired by all the things that he has to do. So maybe maybe we'll save that yeah. for part two. So look forward to the sequel of the sequel of the Gospel of Luke. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And hopefully it was worth that time for us to go into some of the Old Testament stuff and Ananias and Sapphira yeah. for you, listener. Um, I know that got a little heady and a little nerdy, but, um, yeah, I guess that's what the deep waters podcast is all about. Honestly, trying to ground us in some biblical understanding. Praise God. Praise God. Um, with that said, stay tuned. And if you have questions about acts in the meantime, please send them to us so that we can answer your questions specifically. Yeah. You can leave a comment on Apple podcasts, send us an email. And uh, leave comments on YouTube as well. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Our ears and eyes are open for you. Absolutely. Thanks, friends. God bless you. And uh, yeah, remember that you are filled by the living God as his temple today. That's you, the living stones. Hey, you. Living temple. (laughs) Body of Christ. Yeah. Go and do as Christ would do. Because he lives inside of you. Come on. I like that. Praise God. Amen. It's a good talk. Love you, Benjamin. Love you, Jace. Love you, listener. Love you too, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.
Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Waters podcast. If you have comments, questions, or concerns, maybe even a recipe or two, please send them to deepwaters at riverhouseministries.com. And if you would like to join us at Riverhouse for Sunday service, we meet at the Vineyard Boise at 4 p.m. We'd love to see you there. We cannot do this podcast without a little help from our friends. Our theme music was written and recorded by the Riverhouse worship team. Production is done by Jordan Sodeman. Special thanks to Isaiah Guerrero for our artwork. Benjamin Olson writes and co-hosts with me, Jace Langley, and I also edit this bad boy. If you like this podcast and want to keep going on this journey of discipleship with us, please leave us a review wherever you listen to the Deep Waters podcast. May Christ be with you wherever you go.